Hi, you're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creative service providers on a mission to do the work they feel called to and make excellent money while they do it. This is a show for the writers, makers, dreamers, doers, creators, artists, the crazy ones, the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job. We believe in creating it. So what does creative success look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant life? How do we create the revenue we desire and hold space for our soul projects? That's precisely what we're here to talk about. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, award-winning screenwriter, conversion copywriter, former agency founder and CEO, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. I have a very special guest with me today. My dear friend, Crosby Norix is with me. Crosby is the founder of PR Couture, the industry-leading career platform for communication professionals ready to lead with authority and get paid accordingly. Her vision, expertise, and accessibility have allowed her to connect with, educate, mentor, and support professionals and brands internationally for more than a decade. Crosby! Thank you for being here. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So Crosby and I go way, way back. We go all the way back to Italy together. Many and wine. Yeah, that was like almost seven years ago now, which is insane to me, right? It was like six years ago, literally. Yeah, it was a while ago. So crazy. I still, every time I put on my signature red lipstick I think of you because you are the one that introduced me to that shade and I see your face and your green balls and your red coral red lips my green balls yeah your green eyeballs (laughs) your translucent magic green eyeballs I see them green (laughs) balls yeah under the canopy under the canopy of of what did they make wine with I don't know. It was a villa. I don't know. The villa. Yeah. I don't know. We made pasta. We made chocolate. It was great. Yeah. So when I met you, Pierre Couture was was like alive and bumping. It had been you had been already leading that you know community and website and brand for a while. Can you give us a little sort of insight into how Pierre Couture came to be in the first place? Like, what is the origin story of Pierre Couture? Yes. So there I was. Recent graduate school student in my true religion knockoff jeans because this was 2006 (laughs) and some bangs that I had cut because I had watched one too many episodes of the OC and it seemed like a fun day to be hungover and cut bangs it's a bad idea with curly hair it's very Jane Austen and not cool at all but there I was I had graduated I had written this master's thesis where I had explored the idea of fashion public relations, because I thought, hey, that sounds like a good career for me. I like writing and I like creativity and I like design and I like helping people and I like fashion. And like, maybe this is a, maybe this is the job for me. And in that process of writing that thesis, you know, there was very little available online, even in you know, our traditional academic journals. I wasn't getting very far. And so once that was all over, I I had a big vision in the beginning, right? I had this idea like fashionpr.com, a one-stop resource, like very in-depth. And that felt 
too big. But what did not feel too big was a blog. And this was right at the time that fashion blogs were starting. And so I kind of, instead of taking pictures of my outfits and like doing the whole fashion blogger thing, I decided to instead investigate the people who were behind the brands, the women running these companies, the women guiding this messaging, getting us to say, oh yes, I'm this type of, you know, this label speaks to me, this label doesn't. For me, fashion has always been about self-expression and creativity and being able to play with identity from day to day. So I wasn't coming at it from a perspective of like, oh, I'm obsessed with what's going down the runway, but I was coming at it from a perspective of like, that's really, it's really interesting, right? Like what we choose to wear. And it's interesting that people will say like, oh, I just want to be comfortable as though cashmere and silk are not incredibly comfortable. And I was in San Diego where, you know, everybody was wearing flip-flops at bars and that was like, okay footwear. And yeah, I just wanted to investigate that a little bit. And at the same time, you know, I was trying to learn more about this career. I had spent two years doing in-house PR and marketing for a jewelry company, not a super great work environment, but really great experience, getting a lot of press hits, uh, writing, marketing, copy, coming up with, we used to have to name, we had so much inventory. So we just have to come up with names for like, you know, 50 different rings in any given day. And so there we were like Googling any, you know, God and goddesses names from like every other place, just like putting consonants and vowels together to like create something that <laughs> sounded good, right? Like, so it was really fun in that way. Um, but ultimately I was ready to do something next. And so started the blog, started working for an agency and really leveraged the blog as an opportunity to find other people who were working in the space to ask them like, what, what actually goes on in this career? What do you actually do, right? We understand it from a theoretical perspective or we learn about it in school, but like, what does it actually look like day in and day out to work in fashion PR? And that was really the origin of Pierre Couture, the blog. Yeah. So what's something that you're touching on as we're talking about this is this sort of there's an interconnectivity, right? With like branding, positioning, publicity, marketing, like they all speak to each other. And I feel like in the digital age, it's very blurry. So I'm curious to hear from you, like at this stage, particularly with influencer marketing and, and like social media and podcasts and right, like all of these different avenues of content and even like the clubhouse app, right? It's like, when you think about PR today, how would you even pull that apart from these other areas that are kind of related to reaching new audiences or, you know, function with that goal in mind? Yeah. You know, one of the trends that I've noticed is a lot of PR agencies have actually stopped using PR in their name. They're playing around with, you know, communications, uh, digital consultancy, you know, we're all kind of like, what are, what is the language for this? What is the word? What are the words for this? And I don't think that we figured it out, but we're playing around with it and we're trying to find the right words. In practice, public relations has always been about connecting a brand, a company with people who should theoretically be interested, invested, curious, or helped by whatever it is the company or brand is doing. When we only had three TV channels and when everyone was getting their information from, you know, Vogue magazine that was coming out monthly. That was, that was where we had to focus our attention, right? Media as gatekeeper is still really powerful. Influencer as gatekeeper, right? There are always people that we look to, to tell us, you know, what's coming, how to make sense of things. Uh, and so a lot of 
public relations, once it got out of its kind of like creepy propaganda days, was really more about, you know, working with the media and having the media as this gatekeeper, this in-between, translating what the brand wanted to communicate through to the audience, the person receiving it on the other end, the person watching the news show, the person reading the magazine. And in this day, we just don't engage with media in the same way. We can, we can narrow everything down. We can only follow the 10 people who look exactly like us and think exactly like us, right? That's an option. We can close down all of the other media if we want to. Conversely, we can open it up. We can seek out you know, perspectives and ideas that are different from us. And we can do that in so many different ways. We can do that through our ears with podcasts. We can do that through swiping reels. We can do it with whatever clubhouse is that I'm in there now, thanks to you, and have no real idea what's happening. But I'm sure <laughs> that, right? like a communications professional, it's sort of like signing on to have to stay young and to stay spry and to figure out whatever the technology is that's connecting people. So if that's, you know, if that's and whatever the media is, right? And that's always changing. And now we're just in the space where there's so many different places to show up. And it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit convoluted because it no longer feels like there's a straight strategy that's working. So it's just like, we're kind of back into experimenting and trying to figure it out and trying to do our best and trying to come up with the right strategies and techniques, but ultimately really making sure that like there's lines of communication that are open between a company or brand and its audiences or its greater community. I'm just curious to hear from you on this because I know that you have some very strong philosophies on communication. How would you define good communication for a brand or business? I think it starts with listening, which feels really upside down, right? The, tra the tradition and even our like human compulsion is like, I have this thing to say, hear me, hear me, hear me. I need to commute, I need to tell you how it feels. I need to tell you, you know, the gadgets. I need to tell you how many like bullet points and, and benefits there are into this thing. And really we first need to make sure that the person that we're trying to connect with is open and available to hear what we have to say. And that starts with listening and being really curious about what's going on in that person, in that audience's head that has nothing to do with like our Swipper, Swiper, Gadget, pair of hot pants, right? Like, <laughs> I think- Swiffer hot pants Swiffer coming hot pants. in spring 2021. <laughs> you can lay around your house in sweatpants and clean your house at the same time. You're welcome. Courtesy we'll Crosby Norix. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. Come hang out in the clubhouse. At Swiffer hot pants on Instagram. <laughs> Oh, why did just I kidding? Go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. So I think so. It starts with listening, and it starts with also just sort of having that understanding that like human beings are human beings, and nobody wants to be thought of as an audience segment or as like a targeting grouping in an, in in like a Facebook ads thing, right? Like so. For me, I love this. Um, this idea, uh, I saw it on a poster once, I think it was Whedon and Kennedy, and it said uh, something like, just make me feel something, dude. And it was in like this uh, sort of, um, what am I trying to say? 
like Western kind of font, right? Like it was kind of like this like old West or like, hey dude, Nickelodeon style. Like mm-hmm. makes me feel that's kind of how I read it in my head. <laughs> you read it with an accent. Just <laughs> yeah, feel something, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, the references that pop out <laughs> with with you are always delightful. Um, so yeah, so so like that's that's it, right? Like make me feel something. Give me, give me a reason. Or I say, like, what's your like give a shit response. Like, why should anybody give a shit about what it is that you've created or what it is that you've made or the fact that your brand exists or the fact that like, you know, like what's interesting about it? What's interesting about it? And what's the sort of like humanizing measure? Even, you know, even looking at fashion, right? There's, there are these just tropes, right? Like wear this thing and you'll feel confident. Put on this you know, put on these pants, put on these Swiffer pants and your quarantine will be never like it was before, right? Like, <laughs> and the, just, men will, the men will flock to your Swiffer hot pants. They can't come in, but they will flock to your socially distanced dance party. Yeah, like, <laughs> I just think we all have to do a little bit more. We have to like care a little bit more. Um, and, and again, that, you know, that starts with really like conscious listening, active listening, empathetic listening, and, and looking for those connectors, looking for the connector between this person's experience and this brand's offer. And that's part of what I loved about social in the early days. It was requiring brands for the first time ever to like pull back the curtain and like be accountable and accessible in a way that they hadn't had to be. And I found that really inspiring. Hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created Craft and Cashflow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. Yeah. What do you think most in terms of, of you know, for anyone listening who is a brand or is developing their personal brand, you know, in, in this space where we have this expanded market and this is something we get to do. What do you think most brands do wrong in that early stage of sort of establishing themselves? What I see happening a lot is just a, this sort of age old thing of like, when you try to be everything to everybody, you're nothing to no one. And not having a brand that is like interesting or compelling having a brand that looks like everyone else's brand, having copy that sounds like everyone else's copy, just trying to sort of like follow the trend. And when I think of the people and the brands that I enjoy following, they're all sort of like outlier disruptors, right? They're, they're holding a positioning that is, that is different from the norm. And that's, I think, what it takes to capture attention. And attention is really like such a powerful currency right now. Just getting somebody to stop their balls, their scrolling balls for five <laughs> seconds. Like to tap, to like, to look at the bio, 
like that's like you've achieved a lot just by capturing somebody's attention. And so then it becomes like, well, what are we doing with that attention? How are we capturing it? You know, in terms of like real marketing conversion, like what's the next step of like the customer journey? And also in the moment that we have their attention, like what are we doing with that moment? Are we educating? Are we inspiring? Are we making them laugh? Are we giving them a reprieve? Like what are we doing in each of those touch points? And so the brands that I that I think are doing a great job are just like coming out of the gate with like branding and copy. And it's all just, it's, it's really, it's with a voice that connects and is honest and funny and um, a self, self-reference, like it's, it's smart. And it's also not saying like, oh, we're just another one of these you know, or we're, this is our, this is our grouping, right? Like here are the indicators, you know, it used to be like, here's the mason jar and the eucalyptus leaf, or like, here's the millennial pink, or here's the um, monstera leaf and like the white, you know, like, and we're always going through these trend cycles, right? Where stuff feels really fresh and new and beautiful and we all want to use it. Um, But I think, I think the brands that really like cut through the noise, like they make you feel something, dude, right? Like they, 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 they cut you at the quick or they make you laugh or they surprise you. Uh, and so, yeah, I think we have to be brave. We have to be willing to take those risks. We have to be willing to stand for something and to say, this is, this is who we're for. And we know you because we've been listening because we listen because we're interested in engaging in real conversation and providing real solutions and, and supporting and augmenting your life. And that's what we're here to do. Thank you. In terms of your own business offerings, leadership, like all of that, I've, you know, we've just transparently, Crosby and I have been, I've been under the hood of her business a little. Um, We worked together in a capacity. She was in one of my programs, was it 20? It was last year, 2019? Yep. Yeah. I'm curious to hear in terms of your business evolution, and there's stuff that I'm not even familiar with because you and I haven't done this deep dive in a while. Um, like what's what's transformed for you through the phases of business that you've gone through, let's say, since you started? So very much. I know. <laughs> that was like the broadest question ever. You're welcome. <laughs> in 15 years of business, like what are some things, yeah. you know, what are some things that have changed? So yeah, so. I have been around for a while, right? Pierre Couture has been around for a while. And what's interesting now is these stories of, you know, I've been in business for three years and it's, and I'm like, nah, I like, I've been at this for a while. We have tried probably every single revenue generating something to various degrees of success over the years. I recently dropped the word fashion and lifestyle from our brand language, which like, you know, nobody cares, but man, I cared. And it took a really long time to get comfortable with evolving from, you know, hey, we're just kind of this PR blog and people have this expectation that we just deliver great information. And the years that I spent just pouring into the community and writing articles and putting out blog posts and like showing up on whatever the social channel was um, to like, oh, I need to make some money here. So what is that gonna look like? And how is my community gonna react when I start like offering consulting? I think the first thing I did was like little career coaching um, 
sessions to go along with the book that I ended up writing because I was doing so many of these like coffee date, what should I do with my life? Fix it for me. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, and so I put that together in a little, in a book. And then, you know, the book became this, you know, books are great for all the ways that books are great. But one of the ways that this book was particularly great is that I had a full-time job at the time. So I just saved all of the money that came in from that book. And that's really what allowed me to leave my agency job and like go at Pierre Couture alone. So six, I don't know, six-ish years, four or five, six-ish years of running Pierre Couture as a side hustle, having the full-time agency job, getting to the point where I had done enough, you know, speaking and reputation building and thought leadership, blah, 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 to be at a position where I was like, mm, maybe I can hack this. Maybe I should answer this question that I have for myself, which is like, could this be, could you just do one thing? And could that one thing be Pierre Couture? And can you make it work? And so then there was kind of a, a phase of, okay, now I've left my full-time job, the rug, you know, there's no longer the nice, delightful director level agency salary. Uh, what are we gonna do? So playing around with, you know, different ways of making money, freelancing. I had an offer that um, was actually a little bit ahead of its time given how fancy these VIP days are this year. But it was really like, it was, it was kind of a VIP day where I would come in and kind of like write a bunch of stuff and get you all prepped and like ready for your PR agency um, or ready to do your own PR. I did that. And, you know, and along the way, I learned a little bit more about marketing and I got a little bit more savvy and I finally figured out, you know, kind of email marketing and segmentation and, you know, all of that. And then that was a skill set that I could pour back into client work and into my site. So the beautiful thing about Pierre Couture is it's always like, it's the playground and whatever I want to investigate or figure out from a like media communication kind of perspective, like I can do that with the platform. So most recently we dropped fashion and lifestyle, went all in on, um, on our mastermind, our membership, and finally did a free Facebook group. And so now the site is much less a blog. We have less content than we've ever had on the site, but more content coming out through our social channels and more actual programs where people can come in. And so it's in a weird way, it's actually fulfilled that initial dream I had, right? Like Pierre Couture became over the last 14 years, this amazing repository of knowledge and insight and other people's perspectives and practitioners sharing what they know. And now we have this process to really support practitioners at different levels of business and at different levels of, um, of stages, just sort of in career development. And it really has kind of become that, that resource hub or that platform just took 14 years. Um, but I'm really excited about where it is right now. I enjoy working mostly one-on-one, -on -one, but I like small intimate containers. I like getting to know the women behind these amazing agencies. I love you know, laughing with them and supporting them and encouraging them and helping them because one of the things I've realized that just because you're great at public relations does not necessarily mean that you're great at your own self-promotion or your own, or you, or you know as much about sort of this digital marketing entrepreneurship space. Uh, and so that, and that's what I've been doing, right? Like, so it's wonderful just to be able to take all of the things that I have learned and experienced and done and, and, and leverage them to help someone else get to that next level in their business or have a transformation or feel a little bit better about the work that they're doing or launch the thing that they've been wanting to launch, right? Helping women actually make the things that they wanna make and say the things that they wanna say is incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I have a sort of an like um, 
out of curiosity. So I consider you a writer <laughs> for yeah. many reasons, not the least of which knowing that you have some like secret YA books in there as well. Mm, yes. Is that, are we like, if you want to, by the way, like free to tell me that's not true <laughs> or yeah. Yeah, we can, we can say that that is true. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious as someone who has birthed this beautiful brand and nurtured it over the last 14 to 15 years and grown with it and evolved with it and transformed as a leader through all of it, looking back on everything you've ever sort of offered in your business, what were the things that came the easiest in terms of like sales? So what was the easiest revenue and like the highest profit margin revenue over the history of your business? Excellent question. Let me chronicle my brain through a little bit. Uh, let me think about it. So I think really still, well, no, profit margin would definitely be the Pericature Council, which is our mastermind. Uh, just because it's an annual commitment, it is the most in-depth way in which I show up and serve a small community of women every year. And this will be our fourth year running it. So every year I learn a little bit more. I tweak it a little bit. I figure out even more like who are the right women for this program. And I get a little bit more confident in saying, yes, you're going to be a fit. Mm, this is not. And not trying to make it a fit when it's not. And just trusting that the right women are going to come in and it's going to be wonderful. So definitely the mastermind. And then second to that would be uh, this course Prism that I created in 2015, which was, you know, in the early days of online course land. And that came really easily because it was just the synthesis of all of the things that I had been talking to people about independently. And because I also sometimes moonlight as a university professor, I was able to see really where the where we were not serving our PR students very well and helping them to understand what's actually required to build a successful career. And I'm talking to all these agency owners who are like, where is all the good entry-level talent? Like, why don't these, like, why do these young women, like, they don't know how to write a pitch. They don't know how to do X, Y, Z. They think it's a press release. They're writing this to whom it does, whom it may concern cover letter. Like, what is this? And I was like, oh, I'll just come in, you know, mediator in between connector Crosby. And I'll be like, okay, young women, this is exactly what it takes. This is what it looks to build a personal brand that's going to be compelling. This is what it looks like to actually understand brand building and key message development and how we actually pitch in like modern PR. And here's the community aspect. You need other people to recommend you, to refer you. You need to be generous with the people in your orbit. You need to be connecting with them. So here's this kind of like community aspect. And really without even knowing it, like that's the framework. Like that's the framework that I sort of have created and everything that I've done has these cornerstones of like, this is your brand. This is who you are. This is how you're showing up. This is the actual skills. This is the technical capabilities and requirements to be good at this job. And then here's how you show up in partnership and community in creating connections that then you can leverage for yourself and for your clients. Um, and so all of that poured out very easily. Even writing the book was really fast. Like formatting it was a nightmare, but writing it was really fast. Once I know what I want to communicate, the writing is fast. Um, but of course the time of like, it's swirling around in your brain. And then for me, I think as, 
you know, I'm, I'm as, as much an editor as a writer, you know, whether like after, especially after 14 years of editing other people's blog content and editing client work. And so for me, the challenge is, is like stopping and saying good enough, press publish, don't look at it again. Cause the minute I look at it, I'm going to want to edit it and refine it and fix it and tweak it. And that is a really safe place for me too. So I could spend hours, years even in the tweaking and the thinking and the refining instead of in the putting it out into the worlding and letting it be what it is and letting people experience it in whatever form it is. And that's just, I think that's an ongoing learning for me. It's just like, get it out the door, like stop overthinking, make the thing, launch the thing, see what happens. Like that's, that's part of the creative process. Not necessarily, not necessarily that it has to be the end all be all of everything that I could possibly make in my most elevated and clear state. Also as a, you know, as a mom, like the last four years, like I haven't, I haven't slept well. (laughs) I think it's incredible, but he is a, he sucks at sleeping. And so, you know, there's also just like how much you're able to do in any particular like season of your life and trying to be like as kind and compassionate. I can, I continually set goals and deadlines and expectations for myself as though I was like back in the days of when I just left my agency and it was just me and my rent was really inexpensive and I didn't, I wasn't in a relationship and my friends were also all workaholics and like I could just work and it was creative and it was fun and it was energizing and that has shifted a little bit. So um, yeah, I mean, those are some roundabout ways of talking about, you know, the profitability of different offers, but um, you know, the, the creation of them never takes a lot of time. It is about letting them just sort of be in their existing form and trusting myself to refine over time. And also just like not letting myself look at stuff again, once it's good and it's selling and people are saying they like it, like, great, don't look at it. <laughs> Look away. Look don't, away. don't just don't even try to don't like that Chicago song. Yep. Look away. What has been the most, um, I have just two more questions for you. What has been, if you could sort of define the biggest lesson as an entrepreneur <laughs> and a creative that you've really taken away. And it could be like over the last three years, it doesn't have to be like the whole you know, lifetime of, of operating in the space of, you know, online entrepreneurship. Yeah. But I'm curious if there's sort of like a headline or a piece of advice maybe you would give yourself if you could go back to the beginning, what would it be? One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is I have, I hear myself saying Pierre Couture was never supposed to be the Crosby show. It was always supposed to be, I create the platform I, I want to create, um, you know, a place for other voices. And increasingly, I have found that that has perhaps been a way of playing it a little bit safe and self-protection because everything that I have tried to sell, everything that has come to me, all the, all the magic, wonderful opportunities have all been based in relationship and based on the fact that it was me. And so I think the advice that I have is to 
uh, sounds like a, a riff of like some sort of roomy quote or something. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> like, like to, to let the soul of who you are be what you do, right? Like to let people see you, to, to understand that it has far less to do with how your sales page looks or what you've packed into something and everything to do with whether somebody feels that connection from you and with you and believes that you are somebody who can help them. Same thing product-based, you know, even if you have like some sort of physical product, right? Um, and so, so that's what I'm sitting with kind of right now is, yes, it's great to want to sort of like take a backseat and let everyone else have a voice. And it comes from a place of really wanting to elevate everyone and to, and to make everyone better and to give people an opportunity to promote themselves and to share what they know. And also it is a way of distancing myself from the brand that I have built. And so I'm trying now to, um, you know, this phase, I'm kind of like reinserting myself at the center and sitting with like, no, actually I made this, right? Like even that tendency to talk in we, I have a very small, sometimes non-existent team. Like I did this, I built this, I made this, this was my idea. I created it. Um, yeah. And so I think the, you know, the sooner, the sooner that becomes your jumping off point, the better served you and your clients will be. Boom. Mic drop on that one. Okay. So before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you the $5 million question, which is if $5 million dropped in your lap, there's no, you don't have to pay it back. There's no taxes. There's no strings attached. It's just here you go. Do whatever you want with this money. What do you do with it? This is probably like a very responsible oldest child answer, but I think my, my first response is like, I find people who know more than I do and I ask them for their input, right? Like I listen, I don't know. I just rewatched the West Wing and there's this part at the very, very end where CJ is entertaining all of these different offers. And this man who I think is supposed to be like Richard Branson or something comes in and basically says the same thing. Like I've got $50 million or something. I wanna put it toward a problem. Pick a problem and go fix it, right? Like how fun. And so, yeah, I think my first step would be listening to people and picking a problem and going and fixing it. And also like going shopping and buying an amazing house in Big Sur and setting up, setting it up so that my, you know, friends and family are safe and protected so that they can go find a problem and fix it. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I would take a bunch of meetings and then take a, take a break <laughs> for a bit. Yeah. Rewatch the West Wing for the 7 millionth time because it's a show. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Crosby. You're brilliant. This was Thanks, incredible. Katie. Where can we find you, stalk you, learn more about you and be all up in Crosby's world? Yeah, come do it, right? Because it's <laughs> putting the Crosby show back on. Okay. <laughs> so all the PR Couture things are at prcouture.com or at PR Couture. We do have a free Facebook group called Pitch Please that you can find if you just search PR Couture on the books but we are also on Instagram, et cetera. And the site is great. And the emails, 
I write them, so I think they're great. Uh, so if any of this is interesting, there's that. And then I'm at Crosby Norix on Instagram. Personally, that's the best place to kind of see the rest of the rest of the show. And uh, at some point, CrosbyNorix.com will be getting a, a bit of a lift, but you can also kind of poke around there as well. Yay. Thank you so much, Crosby. Thank you. These questions are lovely. I'm going to go put on my slipper pants and dance around. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. If you found value in this episode, please don't go anywhere before leaving a rating, review, and subscribing. Also, sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please, please, please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Also, our free Facebook community accepts new members every Monday. So if you're a writer entrepreneur, come join my write and make money community at creativesmakingmoney.com group. You can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. And as always, create like you mean it.